Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And uh, we're here until 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online. Three lines open for you, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. And we will do our best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. We did have a caller recently. He was talking about his business. And uh, he had some three-year-old Windows 7 machines. And the uh, company that sold them to him was saying, I got to replace them now, bud. They won't be supported as of January. Um, The same company had installed uh, servers with an operating system that was five months away from being obsolete. Again, wholly a disservice to this this guy. And, and, And if you heard his story... The reason is they got you, and you think they got you, and you have to feel like, okay, whatever you say, I'll pay. I don't know how many flowers this guy's going to have to sell to keep buying new computer systems, but that's not the point of a computer system. The point of a computer system is not to keep the IT guys in business. The point of the computer system is to make it easier for you to sell more flowers. So when you're when you're when it's reverse, you have to ask yourself who you're working for: the IT guys, or are you wanting to sell flowers? So, this we see this, and I've seen. I've been I've been at Tab almost thirty years, and we see this a lot. Uh, we pick up accounts where IT companies have migrated, you know, two thousand and three operating systems to seventy thousand dollars worth of hardware, and never told the customer. By the way, you're you're still running two thousand three for your server. <laughs> they sold them seventy grand worth of hardware. Um, it is a. It's really kind of a wild wild west out there. And and to hear this this guy's story on the radio. Uh, it, it is something we see regularly. And again, it comes down to where the power is. And in this case, he was stuck with a, he's stuck with a provider because it's linked its payments to the point where it seems to be such that it's the only way to go. And that's going to happen with cloud providers more and more where you're, in this case, he had a local on-premise system, but still stuck in an ecosphere he felt he can't get out of. Uh, there's always alternatives, always. Heck, he could still sell flowers if he used Excel. And he ran the credit card through. I mean, uh, selling flowers is no different than selling pizzas, other than it's more artistic. And uh, I mean, the pizza shop can just run your credit card through in five seconds. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be beholden to a monster system. It should be reverse. You. The system is there to help you, not, not shackle you. How many hours of labor would it take to do it manually compared to? <laughs> What he's paying? Oh my goodness! But again, uh, we're not trying to make fun of him or anything because we want we want to use his example of, you know, think about where, what you're doing with your IT systems. If you feel like you're, you know, a slave to your IT system, there's something upside down and backwards about that. You know, if it's just, I I have a law practice who's literally contemplating ten thousand dollars a month in a software as a service. Uh, a hardware as a service approach to their law practice before they improve it. 
I mean, you can't make it up. Uh, it's not how it's supposed to work. You want to be an attorney. You don't want to pay some IT company $10,000 a month. That's what, $120,000 a year? Yeah. That's wow. a lot of legal work before you break even. Um, let's go on to uh, your calls, and we're going to go to Al in Avon next. Hey, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Again. One last question I forgot to ask you. Oh, sure. I ran a program, Free Up Space Now, on this Windows 10, and it listed half dozen items to remove files. Mm. And the big elephant in the room is the top one. Says choose which items you like to permanently remove to free up space, mm-hmm. and the big one is 36 gigabytes of previous Windows installations. Wow! Yeah. Go ahead. The, the subtext says files from previous Windows installations, files and folders, mm-hmm. may conflict with. Uh, you can access. What's that all about? This is this brand new uh, laptop. Well, it's been updated a bunch of times. Well, yeah. Microsoft comes up with major versions, although it's Windows 10. Right. So they had like a 1603 and a 1609, and then they had a 1703 and a 1709, right. and then they had a 1803 and an 1809. They're putting them in a little safety area to, to go back to So them. what this is, instead of saying... Uh, this is version 11, version 12, version right. whatever. Right. You know, they're just kind of yeah, hiding they, it from you. They named it Windows.old. Correct. Right. Because what it was, it was a major version update. Right. Ah. And it took a while for it to install. Mm-hmm. And so supposedly, uh-huh. uh, there for a while, they would uh, eliminate them after, like, I think it was six months. Mm-hmm. They would get rid of that automatically. Then they kind of changed it, moved it back to 30 days. And what happened was people were losing data because they didn't move all the data over. Right. So they expanded it back out. And I'm not sure what it is right now. But the point is, is that if you have all your stuff, all of your, your personal data and all of your applications came over and everything's working, I think you could safely delete the windows.old. Well, this is a brand new HP I bought right from HP. Yeah, they did the updates. Well, you know, it sits on the shelf for probably six months to a year. So there's two or three major updates. I, I went through that and I did all of those. Well, then that that's where the windows.old came from. Yeah, you, you can go ahead and do your free up space now and choose those if you wish. Not a problem. And no. that, that should uh, clear up a good chunk to, to alleviate my... Until next Tuesday. My anxiety for a week, at least, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you still have a small drive, but yes, it's, they're going to download the next. Well, the May releases, I think, either just came out or on its way. And we did post ways to block it if you didn't want the May update to come down because they have screwed up so many releases lately that I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, okay, but so you, I, I think I did it already. Oh, uh, so well. Say love you. What I don't, ignorance is bliss in this case. I don't know yeah. what I'm missing. You, right. So if but, it's working for you, Al, just clear it. Go ahead and do the free up space and clean it right out of there and that continue. That shouldn't hurt anything. That is a major, major piece for me. It's okay. a major chunk of, of space there, yeah. So what the Windows.old does is it gives you the opportunity that if the update, the latest update, breaks your system, right. you can roll it back. Right. Once you delete it, you can't go back. But right. is it robust enough or if it works for two or three days? 
you're, you're fine, you I think. be okay then, right? I mean, it's not going to have a latent defect in it, is it? Well, when you don't know that until you try everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You have to have every, try every application. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll leave it for a week and then unload it. There you go. We'll see what happens. All right, now. Oh, all right. Thank you again. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Let's move on to William in Hartford next. What's going on, Will? Uh, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, quick question. I need to, it, it appears to replace my printer, which is suddenly telling me to check the cartridge, and I check it and replace it, and, and nothing changes. If yep. I were to buy a new printer to print, copy, scan, no fax, black only, mm-hmm. what what would you recommend as the most cost-effective laser printer? A laser printer that does that for you, you could probably find for a couple hundred dollars. Okay. And uh, stay away from inkjet. Okay. Yeah, I've, the, the printer I had was cheap, but I probably spent 10 times the money on ink yep. over the years. You did. Yeah. Stay away from inkjet. Yep. You can get a cheap laser, and uh, that's what I would do. It'll last you years and years and years and years and years. Okay. Uh, second quick question. Some I have a PC, PC that's hardwired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Windows 8, sometimes it takes forever to come up, and I get a message on the bottom that says script running. Mm-hmm. How do I find that so I can kill it? I don't know. It, is, it says, do you want to stop it? And I say yes, and then life is good. Uh, is there a way to head that off and and uh, stop it from running? you got to find out what the name of the script is. And, and it doesn't say. And it might, you can find it uh, if you open up uh, the task manager. So okay. down on the task bar, down at the bottom, the bar on the bottom, if you right-click on that, one of the options will be task manager. Okay. If you click on that under task manager, and then you bring up the performance tab. Okay. Performance uh, task? Tab. So there's tabs tab, okay. in, in there. So you got processes, performance, app history, startup, users, details, services, etc. Mm-hmm. So under performance, if you click on that, you'll see that what your resources are being used. So you can go under the processes tab and let's say click under the CPU so that it sorts it and you can see what's using the most of your process. Okay. And then you can find the name of the uh, process and... Uh, Sometimes you can expand them out. And it could be part of your startup too, right? Right. So the point is then you find out what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then react accordingly. Okay. Yeah, look in your startup for that application that's hanging and try to either remove it if you don't need it. And Clearly there, you don't need it because it, it's In the task manager, there is a startup tab. Right. Then you can find that application and click on it and uh, maybe remove, remove it. it. Okay. That's what I needed to know. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yep. Good luck, Will. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So four lines wide open on this beautiful Saturday morning. If you were to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Everything we've talked about has been posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of the show.com, which also works. If you go to Facebook and you like Tab Computer Systems on Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg deems the news worthy, it may get into your news feed. And if you like us over on Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter at Tab Computer Sys, it'll get into your Twitter feed. So uh, everything's there for you. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. Four lines wide open on a Saturday morning. You guys are all out doing your your your, uh, 
your weekend stuff, and I can't blame you because I got to do the same thing. I got to pick up some shock for the pool on the way home, so I understand. But uh, feel free to get online eight hundred nine six six WTIC five two two WTIC as a way for your calls. There was some news I wanted to bring up that I didn't get to yet. Um, this is interesting. Lyft. This is the competitor to Uber. Lyft self-driving car service in Las Vegas. Now it makes sense, I guess, that you do it in Vegas, right? Because you're, if you're in Vegas, you're going to have a crazy time, I guess, and driving and getting a ride in a car without anybody in it to drive you is, uh, I guess, something you do in Vegas. Well, don't they have like free adult beverages in the casino? <laughs> they do, I think. <laughs> I wonder why they do that. Uh, Fifty thousand rides it just surpassed. So Vegas, if you're getting in a Lyft. I bet you there's a, a driver in there just in case something goes wrong. They're not touching anything, but they survive. They have now surpassed fifty thousand autonomous rides. Would you get in a car that's going to drive you autonomously? Now, obviously, if you're a Lyft driver, you're saying to yourself, "Hey, I got a, I have my gig economy that's going to be taken away by the car itself." That's welcome to the <laughs> welcome to progress, I guess, my friend. So the drivers got them an opening in the business. Then, and then the drivers kind of get excluded because that's the human element. Right. That's the expensive element. Um, so now you can go ahead and get a ride. Would you hop in a car without a driver? I, I don't think I would. Um, not now. Yeah. No, in 10 I, years, maybe? Uh, we'll see where security goes. And how, yeah. how, many, how many of these systems gets hacked into? That's true. But 50,000 rides already, which is pretty small. Um Considering all the dry, all the rides that Lyft will do, fifty thousand does seem like a small. Yeah, amount, you're but. probably going from uh, what is it, Men, whatever it is, Bay, to uh, Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay to uh, what's the other big one down I there? I have no idea. I've, I've I've only been to Las Vegas once, and it was for a geek convention, and it was in the Hard Rock, and uh, I, I couldn't figure out how to get out. I never <laughs> been to Vegas, <laughs> but I went to. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, when they mm-hmm. had the uh, national championship with Notre Dame. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, they uh, beat uh, Earl Campbell's college team back in the day. Now you're, now you're dating yourself. <laughs> I there. know I am. But I got to play golf out there on the TPC. Nice. All right. Any other news you want to bring up as a way for calls? We have four lines wide open, guys. 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Oh, one other quick thing before we get to more news. Um Cox, you know, I cut the cable, right? And I'm doing everything with streaming. So Cox informed me the day before the last day of my billing cycle that I had used 85% of my data. And if I'm not careful, they're going to hit me with the charge. They told me a day before. (laughs) Clearly, I was fine. So just to give you a heads up, all my kids are home from school and we're now streaming all TV. And even my boys were not able to consume um, what is it? It's a thousand thousand gigs, a terabyte of data in the month. That says something. So it's it's a uh, you can do plenty of streaming on fifty megabit service without paying any overages. You just got to remember to turn off the TV if you're not in the room, right? Because it'll keep you, it'll keep streaming. So you got to jiggle the handle on that data, or it'll keep streaming. What do you want to bring up, Bob? Okay, <clears throat> I got an article. Yeah, Harbor Air. Plans to be the first electric airline. Oh, my goodness. It'll do it with seaplanes. The company will retrofit its fleet of vintage seaplanes with cutting-edge electric drivetrains from Magnix. Magnix. Magnix, yes. A battery-powered airplane. Yep. 
So it says, in a lot of ways, airplanes represent one of the worst possible use cases for electric motors and batteries. We were talking about. Wait a minute, is that what it says? It's worst case. I thought that just empirically, I thought that was a bad idea. It says batteries are heavy, and aircraft tend to operate in a steady state at fixed RPMs for long periods. Not a recipe for efficiency where EVs are concerned. Right. That's not going to stop Harbor Air. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They're still going to go forward. From retrofitting its uh, short-hop seaplane fleet with electric drivetrains from a company called Magnix. It's a capital M, and the last letter is uh, M-A-G-N-I capital X. Hmm. So uh, Green Car Reports Mm -hmm. said uh, Sunday, the Magnix system will, in some case, be replacing internal combustion engines that are well over 50 years old. So this is an old fleet of seaplanes. Okay, and the picture of it is great. Of course, how many have they had? What, like three crashes lately up in Alaska? Where these guys, these bush pilots, are really good. And they're flying into each other. Yeah, I don't know, something wrong there. Yeah. The uh, upgraded planes will have 200 kilowatt-hour batteries, and their Magna 500 electric motors will produce 750 horsepower and around 2,075 foot-pounds of torque. Oh, my goodness. This would give the aircraft an estimated flight time of 30 minutes with uh, 30 additional minutes of reserve, so they can be up in the air for an hour. That doesn't seem like a long time. I well, mean, what's you know a what normal I mean? plane well, up there for? Up in Alaska, you know what I mean? They're just hopping from island to island. Uh-huh. So they don't really have that long. So if they have a charging station. It take it three hours to charge the darn thing. Well, if they have a charging station and they have a bunch of airplanes, yeah. they just plug them in every time they use them. This, this, so, this sounds like disaster all over it. If that doesn't sound like much, it isn't. These seaplanes, however, <laughs> spend much of their time doing short flights from Vancouver, British Columbia to nearby outlying islands, uh, for which the 30-minute flight time would be plenty. The Mm. company estimates those short hops represent 70% of its 30,000 flights annually. Hmm. All right. So, sounds like something that could work for them. Maybe. We're going to be here until 11 o'clock, guys. Four lines open on this Saturday morning. Feel free to get online if you've ever had trouble. Today's the day, it seems, to get online. 800-966-WTIC 522-WTIC We'll do our best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. Everything we've talked about has been Facebooked and tweeted and posted over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of the show.com, which also works. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. Two lines open for you. We're here till 11 o'clock, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Let's get right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday morning. Going to go to Joe in Berlin first. Joe, what's up? Hey, yeah. Uh, earlier you talked about the VPN. Yes, sir. Uh, what's a good one? Uh, I got an email from uh, Redroot, uh saying that they have an, a new service. Uh, they call it... Wi-Fi security, mm-hmm. and uh, then I looked at, uh, I think it was PG Magazine, uh, and looked at VPNs and uh, wasn't listed, so. Yeah, um, you know, Webroot is a definitely a good company when it comes to security, and if they're offering a VPN, that would be definitely one you could do. Um, the idea being is you want to be running through a VPN when you're in a public space and doing anything you know, that requires security. 
like banking uh-huh. or something like that online. You don't want to do it without encryption or security. So I, I run Proton. Um, it's something that I've I've uh, found to be very, very effective, and it's free. Again, when it's free, you're the commodity, as we've always said. And um, this company is out of the out of Switzerland. Um, however, there's been a recent article where they have been rolling over with with uh, law enforcement inquiries. So there's people that are saying, "Hey, if it's not if it's you know if you if you're going to roll over, I'm, I mean, I'm not doing anything illegal, but uh, VPNs are designed for security and privacy. Um, right. The idea is when you're poking out of the VPN, which is the other side of when you're making your connection to the internet, that company has an idea as to where you're going and what you're doing. Um, so, you know, no security is a hundred percent because you got to trust the company you're working with, but Webroot is a good company for security. So if you want to oh. get a VPN, I would recommend it. Oh, okay. Uh, now I'm getting, to, uh, I want to cut the cord. Yeah. Uh, Comcast is too expensive. I agree. Uh, if I replace the router or modem, whatever, uh, What's a good manufacturer? Oh, there's tons of them out there that are Comcast compatible. You can go to Staples or Best Buy, and they'll actually have them listed um, as compatible modems. So you want to buy a modem and then a separate router is what I'd recommend. Okay, router. Okay. Yeah, so you get your modem. It's, or you can buy the combos. There are combos as well. I just like it separate. That's just me. Well, the problem with the combos is if one piece fails, you got to replace the whole thing. It's usually more expensive than if you buy them separately. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you just hit the hit those either those two big box stores or anywhere anywhere else. They'll have Comcast compatible modems. Um, there, I like the uh, Linksys uh, 1900 ACS uh, router. It's a nice one. Um, they could, I think, they're still out there. They're not they're, they're not very expensive. And then you just you would cut your TV service from Comcast, and you can lower your bandwidth down to 50 megabits and be more than happy with okay. its performance. Um, now, if, until I do that. I want to get this open DNS. Yes, sir. Can that go onto the Comcast uh, box? It'll be hard to do. Um, okay. It'll be easier to put it on your own router. In the meantime, though, you can configure your individual workstation, your computer itself, to oh, u- to okay. use the right um, DNS setting. So instead of setting your IP information there to obtain DNS information from Comcast, you would put in the open DNS um, IPs. Oh, okay, okay. And then one other question. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I have uh, uh, trying to uh, stream uh, some music. Mm-hmm. I have an old amplifier or a receiver. Yeah. Is there any way uh, to be able to hook up Wi-Fi to that thing? Yeah. Um. So, hmm. Probably. I'm just not that uh, versed on how to interface so you can get the the music to the old amp that's popping into my head in any way. Um, just the the amps these days are already capable of. Right. Yeah, I got a new one, uh, but I have uh, another speaker system upstairs, and uh, uh, my wife likes to uh, stream. Uh, Pocus. Uh, but I, uh, <laughs> we have a little radio, but it's. Sometimes the signal's not good, so uh, I'm trying to get it so I can use the Wi-Fi. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know how you – there's probably a device that you went onto the Crutchfield catalogs that are out there that will allow you to interface a Wi-Fi signal into your amp as an input, right? I mean, you're going to – 
that's all you'll really need is a box to do that. Right. I just don't know what box that is. And I wouldn't okay. have enough time to look it up for you, unfortunately. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Joe. Good luck. Okay. Bye. Right, bye-bye. Remember, 50 megabits, guys, is all you need for bandwidth. I know they're selling you gigabit this and 100 megabit that and 500 megabit this. You can do it fine with 50. It's, yeah, but if they oversell, they get to charge more. Exactly. <laughs> I went to a business just recently, and they were getting quoted um, improving their internet speed. This is a business. This is a manufacturing company. does aerospace parts. And the Comcast guy, or the I'm not sure who it was. It could have been any internet guy, was taking them from their 50 megabit speed. And what do you think they were going to recommend, Bob? Gigabit. 75. Because <laughs> he was interested in selling them phones. So instead of changing their bandwidth, he focused on the phone system, giving them 25 full more megabits. Now, a business does need bandwidth, right? Because it's got more people connecting. But only 25 megabits more, that's your improvement? <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. Going to go to Guy in Middletown. Hey, Guy, what's up? Hey, Eric and Bob. Morning to you this great Saturday morning. Yeah, thanks. So I've got an office with a local area network, and I'm looking at options for having someone working from home or outside to dial into that network and access uh, the local file server and printer, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what are my my, uh, options, uh, like open source software or paid software running either under Windows or under Unix? Well, you get you have two pieces of this. You got to get them to your network from wherever they are, and so your router firewall has to support a VPN tunnel. Mm-hmm. And yes, most, I've already uh, configured that. I just need uh, so I can point the router through the IP addressing to through the VPN access to to somewhere to another IP address. Right. I just uh, so what I'm asking for is what what software can I run either under Windows or Unix on that destination uh, uh, IP port that would uh, support it. Right. So it depends. Now you have, so what you're taught you've you've already got the person connecting remotely, which is great. Now you got to figure out how they're going to operate and what they're going to use to remote control. What's their landing pad? And exactly. you would either configure a PC for that person as a host computer that they would remote control, uh, because it's a just one user. I'm guessing that's doing this. Um, if it's just the one user, you, you can set up them with a spare PC, something you're not using, and they'll remote control whatever applications you put on it through the VPN, and you'll, they'll be happy as, you know, just with a remote desktop configuration right through, right through yeah. Windows. They'll be happy as, as, as anything. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can do that with uh, go to my PC or Splash Top. That, that's pretty simple, but I'm, I'm just, it's actually going to be multiple people, Okay. and I want them to be able to access a uh, file share, you know, kind of yep. like as their uh, Q drive, for example. So then you need, to, and, you need uh, to spin up what's called a terminal server. So a terminal server can handle multiple users at the same time on the same piece of hardware. So okay. that'll depend on your server currently. If, if it can house another virtual instance of a server, you'd spin up that server and then configure the software within the terminal um, so that the folks that need to connect to it has a, have access to those applications that are configured in the terminal server. Um, that's, okay. Or you set up multiple PCs for those people, but that gets silly depending on the volume of computers yeah. you need to have remotely. So there's a point right. where it makes sense. So you know? they're calling that a remote desktop server today. Okay, remote desktop, yeah. I yeah. still like using terminal yeah. server. That's yeah. the original. So, uh, <laughs> so, so is Windows 10 remote desktop a form of a terminal server? For it, Just for one machine for itself. It's not... Yeah, yeah Windows yeah. 10 is a individual PC platform. You can only have one person logged in Remotely. to the desktop at a time. Right. 
So you can have multiple people logged in at the same time, but only one person is going to see the console. Right. Right. So that's yeah, why you... I think, you uh, yeah, I think what Eric's saying is, uh, is right, that I need a terminal server that can host uh, multiple uh, multiple sessions. Correct. Correct. So do you have a server there now, Guy? Do you have like a 2016 server there now in your business? Um, well, the only server we have is a Unix-based file server from, hmm. from a company called QNAP. Okay. It actually supports uh, like a WinSCP connection, so we, we kind of do that now. Okay. Where we connect by a WinSCP, and it, it, it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd like to also give them the option of, um, of running, uh, running a VPN so that, their IP address that's at, that's broadcasted to the world is coming out of our office, not out of uh, you know whatever Comcast decides to, to give them. Yeah, and, and, that, and that makes sense. So I mean that that Unix software, we're not big Unix houses, so I'm not exactly sure the flexibility of that yeah. software. But if it's a fairly thin application, it might work just if with the VPN. If they're only sharing, if you're only sharing files, right? What you right. could do is you could connect via VPN to your endpoint, and then uh, map to the Unix server, like, as though it were right. a NAS, and create right. a map drive, which you would be able to access when the VPN is connected. But it is going to be slower technically. Yes. When you open that file, it's going to drag it across the VPN rather than just simply displaying it. Right. So so what are my options for uh, running this uh, terminal server uh, or VPN uh, you know, slave on either under Windows or under Unix? Uh, so the ones I looked at are—I uh, I know you mentioned Proton, so I know I can—I can purchase uh, VPN software and run it under Windows, and then port the um, port the port, port the VPN password to it and kind of right. get away with that. Is that is, am I am I should I expect to pay for software that that's uh, that's providing that service? No, um, you should be able to do it right there on your firewall if your firewall is capable. It should support X number of VPNs by default as part of the firewall itself. Unless you only have a consumer-grade firewall. Right. So uh, it's, I got a pretty, I got an LRT two fourteen. It's pretty sophisticated, so uh, it, I know yeah. I can support the uh, tunnels going through. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what I need to run, either on a Slay PC running Windows or on a Unix box that's gonna, you know, it's gonna host this uh, terminal. Windows will have the. Oh, oh! To host a terminal server, you need a you yeah. need a real server with a you know Xeon processor and a and a Windows operating system. Right. Um, Windows server operating. Server operating system. Sorry, thank you, yeah. Bob. Okay. So it's it's All a right. bigger step um, to do that, right. but very doable. Right. So uh, yeah. All right. So uh, so if I were to load a Windows server on the network, then that could act as the uh, the endpoint for all these VPN connections. The firewall would be the endpoint. And then well, they would, right? yeah, and then they would get to the term serve through the firewall, and then run the applications. What and, about these, uh, these these VPNs that run under uh, under native uh, Windows? Are they any good? Yep, they work fine, and they're and again that'll that'll connect as well to that firewall if it has the capability. Right. So you, you shouldn't need to pay to, anything. That's probably limited to uh, one or two users, or one at best, since it's a uh, you know it's a desktop PC kind of pretending to be a server. Correct. You're only going to get one connection to a desktop PC. That's why you need a terminal server to handle multiple connections. And your firewall has to be capable of handling multiple connections as well. Right. right? It needs enough bandwidth. And so, again, a business grade, uh, the one you just rattled off, I don't really know about. uh, But, you know, any business grade firewall can handle a bunch of VPNs. How many are you talking about connecting? Uh, I don't know, maybe five or six. Okay. 
So yeah, terminal server would be great for that um, versus buying six host PCs. Well, I mean, what did we do uh, a few years back when you wanted to, to uh, let's say, uh, from your PC, just display a, uh, a file server that's located somewhere out in the Internet? There's, there's other software that will do that, isn't it? This is the way we did it years ago. Uh, it's called Citrix, or you call it Use Terminal Server, and uh, that, I've been doing it for 20 years <laughs> or yeah, longer. Right. So it would yeah. be, before that, I don't know what they did. Before that, it's called a mainframe, and you paid for CPU cycles. Great <laughs> yeah. thought. You, you want to talk about dial-up speed, uh, that, that's, where it, uh, that's where things got kind of boggled down. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, well, good luck with cutting the cord, and um, it sounds like we're making some progress there. I think, I think a lot of folks are making progress, and, I, and, and the more people that do it, the lower our broadband connections will be. And once 5G hits, uh, you won't even need a cable anymore. Can't wait. Except that we're going to have so many people involved in blocking 5G because of the wavelengths that I think it would be a while before it actually hits because everyone's afraid of it. Oh, there you go. I mean, there's already towns in California that are blocking it because they're afraid of it. Well, then the legislature's got to figure out how to tax. Exactly. (laughs) Don't don't say it too loudly, guy. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Maybe go back and delete that comment. All right, fellas. All right, guy. Good luck. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to step out for a quick break. Four lines open. Feel free to get online before the top of the hour. Then coming up at 11 o'clock, Dr. Alessi will be in giving you a second opinion on your health advice. I'll be right back. And we are back. Gotta love Mike when he's at the helm. He plays all the Rush tunes out there, which is great. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Dr. Alessi's in the green room getting ready for healthy rounds, so stick around for that. And uh, we're here till 11, 1-800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC, talking about cutting the cable, bandwidth, security, facial, facial recognition, VPNs, you name it. Remote desktop services, as it were, Bob. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> terminal services. Got to stay up with the times. Come on. I know. Nobody nobody does terminal service anymore. <laughs> the, the name. That's 2003 oh, technology. Geez. Come on. <laughs> Same software, though, by the way. Absolutely. So uh, we're here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online. Everything we've talked about has been posted over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of the show.com. So stick around for that. So, Bob, you had some uh, an article you wanted to bring up about Einstein. A hundred years ago, mm-hmm. an eclipse changed history and made Einstein a star. Okay. Okay, I'm going to jump to the back of the article because this is, uh, I think, the most uh, interesting part. Yeah. Before, you see... Back in uh, 1919, they did they filmed an eclipse for the first time, and they were able to observe because there was a controversy between uh, Albert Einstein and Sir Isaac Newton. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So, uh, according to this, all right, um, Newton thought that um, that since light had no density, no mass, okay, no mass that it wasn't affected by gravity. Right. Whereas Einstein theories mm-hmm. theorized that you know gravity could bend light. Right. Which when they filmed this, mm-hmm. they were actually able to uh see that it actually did mm-hmm. because they could map the uh location of the stars mm-hmm. when there wasn't an eclipse at night. Mm-hmm. And then 
with that same area, with the eclipse, seeing through the eclipse, the stars would appear to be in a different location. Interesting. So that they were able to actually prove out Einstein's theory that light could be bent. So um, the interesting part of the article, which, you know, I think makes it really worth reading, is before the eclipse of 1919, Einstein's ideas were considered too radical and difficult to understand, Hmm. let alone verify. To be widely accepted. Really? When the results were published... So wait a minute. Ninety-five percent of the consensus was on Newton's side by the scientists. Correct. And like the flat earth, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> well, where have we heard As that other analogy. thing before? As an analogy. So, so nearly 100% agreed with Newton until this. <laughs> so when... The, no. No, but, that's true. But listen, yeah. when the results were published... Some controversy persisted, as cosmetologist Peter Coles has written. But each passing decade relatively seems more clearly to be settled science, and the importance of that long-ago eclipse has become clear. Very neat. We'll put that link up there for you as well. Thank you again, guys, for joining us on this Saturday morning. We do appreciate it. Um, Stick around. Dr. Lysis F. Ness, as I said, everything we've talked about posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. Thank you, Mike G., for doing that for us. Thank you, Mike, for producing. And uh, I guess we'll have to see you next week, right, Bob? See you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.